Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is September the 29th, and our passage for today is Romans chapter 9. I'm going to be dealing with 9, 10, and 11. Let me back up and tell you why. If you will recall, when we first started Romans, I laid out the outline as is presented in the Bible. Not something trying to alliterate it, nothing wrong with that, but alliteration is only a mnemonic device. That is, it is only to help us to remember. But it's very simple. Sometimes we try to make things alliterate when they are not alliterative at all. And uh, I'm going to do the best I can to always help people to remember things, but sometimes we press the alliteration. And when we do that, sometimes we give the weight of something that is more important in one part of the outline than it is in another. And so we will give them all the same weight by giving them all the same kind of points. Now, the book of Romans is a rabbinical treatise. And what Paul does is what he always does in his non-personal writings. He deals with the doctrinal aspects, the theological aspects, the very uh, doctrinal heart of a message to build a basis, a platform, a foundation for why he is going to ask and justify a certain behavior or act of obedience in the latter part of the book. Romans chapter 1 through 8 deals with what God has done for the believer, Jew and Gentile, any follower of Jesus that is trusting Jesus, what he has done for them in Christ. And he talks about how we're all sinners, how we have all fallen short. There is none righteous, no, not one. No one measures up to the person of God, to the glory of God, to the works of God. Nobody can do that. So we're all on the same plane. Many of you have heard me say over and over again, the ground is level at the cross. That means Jew and Gentile have to come the same way. There is no special spiritual covenant for the Jews and then another spiritual covenant for the Gentiles. All are saved the same way. There is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It is at the name of Yeshua, the name of Jesus, that all are saved. Now, people will often say to me, well, what about the Jew? I say, well, what about the Gentile? They'll say, well, are you saying my son or my daughter or I am going to face judgment if I don't trust Jesus alone to save me? I'm not just saying that about you. I'm saying that about everyone. It doesn't matter who you are, Jew or Gentile. And I know that sounds exclusive, and it is, but it's also inclusive. Whosoever wants to can be. Whoever wants to may be. Whoever wants to will be if you call upon the name of the Lord. That's what Romans chapter 9, 10, 11 is all about. And whoever you are that is listening to me, what I have been is consistent all the way through. 
because I believe that the Bible teaches that a person is saved by grace through faith, by trusting God alone, by trusting his promises, by trusting his Messiah to forgive and to save and to redeem, and that there are no works, not one work, not many works that a man can do to be saved. Now, this is what the Apostle Paul talks about. Yes, in chapter 6 and 7, he talks about the struggle of a person who is born again, who is a follower of Jesus, the one who is trusting God with all of his heart to save him. Still, there are struggles and wrestling with sin, and that's what he says. And he cries out at the end of chapter 7, who will deliver me from this bondage, from this dilemma of wrestling in the flesh, and then he says in Romans 8, 1, there is now no condemnation, no penalty to those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's what I dealt with in yesterday's podcast. Well, he comes to chapter 9, and he no longer deals with doctrinal truth as such, but he turns and deals with what we would call dispensational truth. And that means dispensational refers to an epoch, an era, a way, a stewardship, an oikonomia, and the economy of how God works in a particular time and based upon the revelation of the people of that day. You see, the people of the New Testament era knew more than those of the Mosaic era. Those who lived in the period of the exile and post-exile knew more than those who lived during the days of David. It doesn't mean they're smarter. It doesn't mean that they're more spiritually astute. It just simply means that they know and have a greater knowledge of who God is and how he reveals himself than the generation prior. Doesn't mean they're more spiritual, just means that they have a greater accountability and a greater knowledge. Well, when he comes to chapter 9, he talks about in 9, 10, 11, the relationship between Israel, belief, and the church. And so he says, I tell you the truth in Messiah, in Christos, in the anointed one, I am not lying, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Spirit, that I have great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren. He's talking about the Jews. You say, well, how do you know that? Keep reading. My countrymen, according to the flesh. According to the flesh, that is the natural man. He was a Jew and he loved the Jewish people. All of these people, he says, are Israelites and to whom pertain, that is to the nation of Israel, adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, that is the priesthood and all the accoutrement that had to do with the temple. The paraphernalia, they had to handle all of that. And the promises God made, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, Messiah came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. He's saying that Messiah is over all, that Messiah is the eternally blessed God. And then he affirms it and says, Amen. 
Now, the reason I'm saying that is to pick up on what Paul said earlier. Is there any advantage of being a Jew? Of course there is. There is an advantage because it is within the Judaic nation, the Judaic line in the tribe of Judah, of the nation of Israel, the son of Isaac, who is the son of Abraham, the father of faith and the faithful. To them are given the great promises, covenants, given the law, the Torah, the instruction of God, the glory of God, all of that is all wrapped up in being a Jew. But it is not that the word of God has taken no effect. In other words, all of the nation of Israel is not a follower of Jesus. And so he says, for they are not all Israel who are Israel. Now, what does that mean? That means that everyone who is born a Jew is not going to heaven. Now, that's true, period. Let's just put Jesus aside for a moment. If every Israelite, just because you're a Jew, just because you're born a Jew, that means you're right with God and you're going to heaven no matter what, then all of the prophets are liars because they prophesied and asked people to repent and change or judgment would come and they would be separated from God and they would be cursed. Now, this was before ever Jesus came on the scene. Any Jew that reads Torah and reads the Ketuvim, reads the Nevi'im, would have to say that not all Israel is going to be saved. Not all Israel is righteous. Just because you're a Jew and born a Jew doesn't mean that you're right with God. It means that you are born into a nation that was chosen by God himself as a conduit for the grace of God to be bestowed on the entire world, not just the Jewish nation, that you were given promises and covenants and a place of standing, and you have special favor with God. You were created for a purpose, on purpose, with purpose. All of those things have to do with who you are. But it says in Isaac, that is the son of promise, the son of faith, that you would be called. That is, those who are children of the flesh, they're not children of God just because they're born a Jew, but the children of promise are counted as the seed. You see, it wasn't through Esau that the promises came. It was through Jacob, the son of Isaac. It was not through Ishmael that the promise was made. It was through Isaac. This is the way it is all the way down through the lineage of the Jews. And it was through promise and grace and through faith that Sarah even could have a son. Verse 10 says of chapter 9, and not only this, but when Rebekah also had conceived by one man, even by our father Isaac, for the children not yet being born, they've not done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand not of works, but of him who calls. It was said of her, the older shall serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. Now, this was before these boys were ever born. God had already chosen them out. What shall we say then? Is there unrighteousness with God? Certainly not. God forbid. May it never be. But he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it is not of him who wills, nor of him who runs, but of God who shows mercy. A person is saved by the grace and mercy of God, not by the one who says, I'm born of the seed of Israel. 
This is what got the children of Israel down through the ages in trouble when they said, we can live any way we want to. We can think any way we want to. We don't have to trust God. We're going to work it all out. We're going to find our own way to God. That's no different than the people prior to Abraham, uh, the sons of Adam that tried to build the Tower of Babel to heaven, make their own way, no different. And so the Bible teaches that not because you are a Jew, but because everyone who says they are Jew, that doesn't mean that they are truly a Jew in the biblical sense as part of the great promises of God. It is those who trust God, those who repent, those who walk with God, those who seek after righteousness and seek the way of Messiah. That is what the Bible teaches in the Tanakh and in the Berit HaDashah, in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. You will say to me, why does he still find fault if indeed what he just said was true, that he chose people before they were ever born? For who has resisted his will? For indeed, O man, who are you to reply against God? People say to me all the time, are you saying that God is right in saving some and not others? I say, for God to save one, he is righteous. For God to save none, he is righteous. Why? Because we all deserve hell. I'm not surprised that God would choose some and not others. What surprises me is he would choose any at all. Because none of us deserve salvation. The fact that he saved millions is an amazing act of grace. And so why should we, the creation, say to the creator, who do you think you are? Why did you do this? Why did you form me like this? This is the same argument Isaiah had to deal with. It's like Paul has just gone back and again prophesying the words of Isaiah because he quotes him over and over again in this chapter. What if God, wanting to show his wrath to make his power known, endured with such long suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for his glory, even... Us, whom he called, not of Jews only, but also of Gentiles. I am a trophy of God's grace. I am. I didn't deserve to be saved. I don't deserve to be saved. I will never deserve to be saved. I am wretched. I am poor. I am blind. I am in need of a Savior and redemption. And God, in His grace, giving me what I don't deserve, and in His mercy, withholding from me what I do deserve, has graced me and mercied me in saving me. As He says in Hosea, I will call them my people who were not my people. That's me. And her beloved who was not beloved. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There they shall be called the sons of the living God. Isaiah also cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, the remnant will be saved. Only a remnant. That's a small percentage, 10%. For he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness because the Lord will make a short work upon the earth, as Isaiah said before, unless the Lord of Seboeth had left us a seed, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been like Gomorrah. Unless God had had mercy, we wouldn't be saved at all. What shall we say then that Gentiles 
who did not pursue righteousness have obtained to the righteousness, even the righteousness of faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained to the law of righteousness. Why? Because Israel, that is, they did not seek it by faith, but as it was written by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone, that is Jesus, as it is written, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief stumbling stone, a rock of offense, and whoever believes on him shall, 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 will, will, will not be put to shame will not be disgraced. You see, when Israel or any other people, but especially Israel, after seeing that Abraham was not justified by works, but by trusting God's provision, Isaac was miraculously brought into existence. Israel was a trophy of God's grace, Jacob. And yet they rebelled against God over and over and over again, because you see, just because you are a Jew doesn't mean you're righteous. Just because you seek to keep the law doesn't make you righteous. Because no man keeps the law, and if you stumble in one point, you're guilty of all, because you sin. No man can stand before God and say, my hands are clean, I have not sinned. Everyone has sinned at some point or another. So all are guilty. It is only by trusting God can a man be made right with God, whether he is Jew or Gentile. That's what Romans chapter 9 teaches. My prayer is that God would press that upon our hearts and that we would turn to him with everything that's within us and seek the grace and mercy of God while there is yet day, while there is yet time. For On The Way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On The Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.